Amen. It's beautiful to hear you singing. Praise the Lord. Cannot wait for that day when we sing with every tribe and every tongue and every nation to the glory of His name forever and ever. If you could open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And this week as I've been studying and and praying over these verses in Colossians chapter 3, something has really impacted my heart as I've been looking and praying on these verses. This sentence has come to me over and over again, and it is this sentence. This world is not my home. As I've been looking out at this world and everything that has been going on, and as I've been studying this passage, I have realized that this world is not my home. When I see all of the, the tragedy that is going on in this world, that explosion in, in, in Beirut, and as you see those video images, as many of you would have seen those tragic images, I realize and remember this world is not my home. As we see the COVID cases rising around the world and rising even in our country, we remember this, that this world is not my home. This is not where I belong. This is not where I should be. When I see on the news, you know, them investigating again, the the Madeleine McCann case and the, the tragedy that it is, I'm reminded that this world is not my home. All of this stuff that goes on here, this is not my home. When I hear of all the persecution of all the saints, our brothers and sisters in China and in India and in Pakistan, and I read about them and I pray for them, I realize this world is not my home and it is not their home. This world is not their home. Our home, brothers and sisters, is not this place. Our home is heaven. Our home is not here. Our eternal home is there. And this is what Paul is talking about in these verses. He is talking about our home. He is talking about heaven. Listen to what he says. Chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What Paul is talking about here is our home, our home, heaven. And you say, how do you know that Paul is talking about heaven? Because as you look at the verses, you will not see the word heaven there. But heaven is all over these verses. Do you see what he says? Seek the things that are above. What are the things that are above? It is heaven. Verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above. What are the things that are above? It is heaven. Verse 4, you will appear with Him in glory. What is the glory? It is heaven. Paul is talking about heaven. And one of the things he begins with by saying to us is this, we, you brothers and sisters, are always in 
heaven. You are always present in heaven. And you think, well, that's a strange thing for you to say. Because right now, I'm present here in this hall with my mask on. How am I present in heaven if I am present here? But bear with me. Look at what he says. Verse verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. He doesn't say since then you have been raised with Christ. Though some translations have it that way. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. And when he says, if, that forces us to ask the question, doesn't it? If then you have been raised with Christ. And the question that forces us to ask is, have I been raised with Christ? How do I know that while I am seated here, I am also seated there? How do I know I have been raised with Christ? And the answer is chapter 2, verse 12. Read it. Having been buried with him in a baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Do you see how we've been raised in that verse? We have been raised with him through faith. So how do I know I am raised with Christ? How do I know I am here and at the same time I am there? Because you have put your faith and trust in Christ. You have heard it said before, you cannot be in two places at one time. You've heard that said, right? And it seems to make logical sense. You cannot be at two places in one time. But for the Christian. For the one who has believed and trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, you are always in two places at one time. You are always here and you are always there. Physically you are here, but spiritually you are there. You are raised with Him in the heavenlies. So what that means is the moment that you believed in Him, you entered spiritually into the Holy of Holies, and therefore heaven is always your home, and you are just stopping by when you are here. You are living here only for a moment, but you are living there for eternity. And that is what He is saying. If then you have been raised, well you have. And so for those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, if Christ is your Lord and you have believed in Him, what that means is when He lived, you lived. When He died, you died. When He was buried, you were buried. And when He was raised, so were you. You've believed and you've trusted in Him. So we are always to remember that we are always in heaven. Never forget that. You are always in His presence. The scripture tells us we have been raised with Him spiritually. We are always in heaven. And if we are always in heaven, that means we are always to do something. What are we to do, he says? Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We are always to be seeking the things that are above. 
This is the command that Paul gives to you. Seek the things that are above. And this command that he gives to us, this command is written in the present tense. Which means for us, this is a command that isn't just one time you just need to do this, seek and forget about it the next day. What this means is you need to continually and always be seeking after the Lord. Always seeking Him. Always seeking the things that are above. And what seek means here in this verse is is that is to be your aim, that is to be your goal in life. My aim in life is always to be the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Always the things that are above. I'm always to seek heaven. Now if I were to ask you this morning, what is it that you are seeking right now? Some of you would find it a very difficult question to answer. What is it that I'm seeking right now? What is it that is my goal in life? What am I aiming for in life right now? And if you want to know what you are seeking for in life, if you really want to know what you are aiming for in life, I think Jesus helps us. Jesus says these words in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus knows us, doesn't he? What he's saying is, not where your money is, there's where your mouth will be. Where your money is, there is where your heart is. Where you put your money, that is what you are seeking. This is what Jesus is saying. So if you want to know what you're really seeking in life, look at where you put your money. Do you ever wonder why you don't like people seeing your bank statement? Do you ever wonder why that's private and confidential? Well, yes, maybe you don't want people to see your salary and see how much you earn. But one of the reasons I think we don't want people to see it is because it exposes us. It reveals us. It shows us what we love. It shows us where our heart is. It shows us what we are seeking. And so if you want to know what you are seeking, open up your AIB app. And it will tell you where your heart is and what you are seeking after. And Paul says to us here clearly, no, seek the things that are above. And what is interesting about this is when he says seek the things that are above, you think, you'd like him to go into detail. What do you mean by the things that are above? But he doesn't go into detail. He doesn't talk about the throne room in Revelation 5. He doesn't talk about the jasper that's there or the rainbow that it talks about or the emeralds or or the white garments or the the golden crowns or, or the sea of glass that's kind of like crystal. He doesn't talk about the throne room. He doesn't talk about the, the, the new city in Revelation 21 with, that's built of jasper, the city of gold, and that it has its foundations made of jewels. He doesn't talk about any of those things. He just says, seek the things that are above. But what is his focus? Where Christ is. Not the jewels, not the emeralds, not the gold. Seek the things that are above. Why? Because that's where Christ is. This is why I think most of the people in this world actually do not want to go to heaven. 
See, I'll talk with people in this world and they'll say to me, of course I want to go to heaven. But you see, the reason they want to go to heaven, most people want to go to heaven because they imagine a place of never-ending bliss. A place where I can do whatever I want, whenever they want, I want. But they do not imagine a place where Christ is. And you see, I think people do not want heaven because they do not want Christ. And if you don't want Christ here on this earth, you won't want Christ in heaven. And so the question is, not whether you want heaven or hell necessarily, but do you want Christ? And if you want Christ, that will cause you to seek the things that are above, because that is where Christ is seated in the heavenlies. So we are always in heaven. We are always to be seeking heaven. And we are always to be thinking about heaven. This is his second command, verse 2. He says this, set your minds on the things that are above. So just like seek, now he is saying set. And just like the command seek is to be continual, so the command set is to be continual. We are always to be setting our minds on the things that are above. Now this time he doesn't say the things that are above where Christ is. This time he says set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So he's giving us a contrast. Don't seek the things that are earthly. Seek the things that are above. And what are these earthly things that we could be seeking? Well, next week we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But let me give you a sneak peek. Verse 5, it says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then from verse 5 down, he lists all the things that are earthly in this world that we could be seeking. So what does he say, verse 5? Put to death all that is earthly. And then he lists out all that is earthly. And one of the things, I just want to focus on one of them this morning, not to steal my own thunder or whatever. <laughs> verse 8, it says this. Now you must put away anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. So one of the things, according to verse 8, that is earthly, that we are to put away, that we are not to set our minds on, is anger. Anger is one of the things that we are not to set our minds on. What a simple question this is. Do you ever get angry? Do you ever get angry? And all of us get angry. And you see, the thing with anger is this. You know that song that we sing? Um, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Sometimes I relate that song not only to my actions, but my thoughts. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel. Prone to leave the God I love. And so what happens with anger is when it gets into our minds, it gets into our thoughts, and our thoughts begin to wander, don't they? And here are the stages of anger. Here's kind of what happens to people when they get angry with another person. Here's kind of the way it works. Here, here are the stages that happens. First you think about that person that you're angry with. Oh, I hate them. Right? Something like that. And then you begin to think about all the lists of stuff that they have done that has angered you. And then you imagine talking to the person. And this is all in your head. This is not even with the person. This is just all in your head. Then you imagine talking to the person and giving out to them and, and listing all the things. And then what is really spectacular about what we do in our mind is this. We imagine that person talking back to us. 
And we imagine all their arguments back to us. And then what do we do? We invent more arguments to go back to them. And then finally, what happens at the end of this big anger session that happens in our mind? What happens at the end of all of this is, of course, you win. And when you win, you are more angry than when you start. And this is why it is so important for us not to set our minds on the things that are below, but set our minds on the things that are above. Not to set our minds on anger, but set our minds on Him. And the reason we are to set our minds on Him is given in verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The reason you are to always be seeking, the reason you are to always be setting your mind on heaven is because you have died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ. You know, as, as, as parents, um, sometimes we, we give commands to our children. Some of the children will know that we as parents, we give commands to you. And you might ask the question, well, why do you want me to do that? And sometimes as parents, we will say, it's just because I'm your parent. We don't give reasons for our commands. And that's fine kind of when the children are younger, but as the children get older, you kind of need to give reasons for your commands. Because it's not just going to fly on your daddy, on your mommy. You need to give reasons for the commands. And so what Paul does is he gives those two commands, set and seek, but he gives a reason. Because your life is hidden with Christ. It's hidden with Christ. And this is the first time and only time Paul uses this expression, hidden with Christ. What could it mean that our life is hidden with Christ? Have you ever played the game, anybody here ever played the game hide and seek? I know there's some younger people, Cal plays hide and seek, don't you? A lot of us play the game hide and seek. If you're a parent, you play it all the time, probably too much. We play that game hide and seek. And what happens when you play that game hide and seek? Someone starts to count, don't they? And there's always that cheat, isn't there? That cheat who counts and they say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They count too fast. They're cheating. But as they're counting, what happens to the other children, the other people who are playing the game? Well, they start running away from the person counting, right? And if you're really young, what happens to you? You can't really find the place to hide, can you? So who do you go to? You go to one of the adults in the room who can hide you, don't you? And so you go to that adult and you say, where am I going to hide? Where am I going to hide? Where am I going to hide? And the adult, they might put you behind the door. and They'll always put you in a better place than you would have ever thought. And when they hide you and when they put you in that place, what do you feel at that moment? You feel safe and secure. No one's going to find me. <laughs> so it is, brothers and sisters. We are hidden with Christ. And no one is going to find you. Yes. No one is going to get you. No one is going to take you away from Him. You are hidden with Christ. And how long are you hidden with Christ for? You are hidden with Christ until the day He appears. Last verse, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We are always to be seeking Christ. We are always to be thinking about Christ in heaven. And we are always to be longing for heaven and glory. 
Do you see that sentence there? When Christ who is your life. You ever look at people and you say, you know, their job is their life. Their sport is their life. Their children is their life. When people look at us, dear friends, they should always say, Christ is her life. Christ is his life. Christ needs to be our life. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, guess what happens? We will appear with him in the glory. And this is what I love about this truth of our union with Christ, of the fact that we are attached with Christ, of the fact that we are in Christ. It is this. You see, I don't think people go far enough when they talk about our union with Christ. Because our union with Christ means this. And I've said it to you many times. I said it in this sermon. And I'll probably say it again. Our union with Christ means this. When Christ lived, we lived. When Christ died, we were died. When Christ was buried, we were buried. When Christ rose, we rose. And then people stop there. But they should not stop there. Why? Because this verse says, When Christ appears, we appear. Because we are in Him. And we appear with new bodies in His presence. In what does it say? The glory. And when it says the glory, do you know what that means? That means heaven. But I way prefer the word the glory. There's weight in it. There's splendor in it. There's something in that word that is far deeper than we will know. You know, I've been reading about this preacher recently, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he was a great and famous preacher in his day. And he used to preach three times a week. On Friday night, he would preach uh, theology to his people. And, and I was talking to Luana about this. I, when he was preaching theology to his people, he, he started in the book of Romans. Do you know how long, I said to Luana, do you know how long he took to not finish Romans? 14 years. 14 years to not finish Romans. And then I looked at Luana's eyes, the fear in her eyes, don't do it, Shane. Don't do it, Shane. I would love to do that. I just don't think I could. <laughs> then Sunday mornings it was for the edification of the church. And then Sunday evenings it was for evangelization. But whenever he preached, and whenever he talked about heaven, he never said heaven. He never said heaven. He always said the glory. The glory. And near his deathbed, as he was on his deathbed, he actually lost the ability to speak, this great preacher. And so he was left to just write notes. And he wrote a note to his daughter and his wife. And he said to them, in this note, he had bad handwriting. But in this bad handwriting they had, they could just about make out the words. And the words were this. Don't pray for my healing. Don't. Hold me back from the glory. Oh, I wish we would have that view of eternity. Don't pray for my healing. I'm done with this world. I want to be in the glory. That should be our hearts, brothers and sisters. The glory. Let us always be longing for the glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.
that we can come to you in prayer, come to you longing for heaven, that day when we will be in your presence. Oh Lord, we thank you. In your precious name, amen. In the brief uh, time that we have left, we are actually just going to sing one song now. Um, and the song that we will sing now is Jerusalem. But as we sing this song, Jerusalem, what we are going to do is we are going to take from the Lord's table. And the way this is going to work is um, this is being prepared earlier, safely, uh, for you. You know, I was on holidays there recently. And I went to a restaurant and they gave me a full meal of food. I said, well, if we can have dinner, we can have this. And so I think it's time for us to share and have this together. And so let me read to you Matthew 26. We will sing one song, Jerusalem, during this time. And then we will end our service. It says this. Now as they were eating and drinking, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this cup of the vine until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We drink this here now on earth because one day we will be doing it in glory. One day we will be doing it forever in heaven. So here's what I want you to do as the servers come with their gloves and their masks and all this. You're just going to take one of those cups. In that cup you will have the wine and the bread. We'll hold them together. We will take it together at the same time. After you take it together, there's a bin outside and you'll just drop the cups out there. Um, during this time. And we'll also be singing uh, Jerusalem. So if the service